I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. In the in the name of Feel Good Friday, I thought it would be nice to kick this week's Feel Goods right in the goods with uh, a quick little video that I think will warm your freaking hearts. Hell this yeah. This is coming out of Newbury, Ohio. Um, and this little fella, let's just watch this guy. If you want to watch this with us, go check out Sick Boy over on YouTube. Oh, my God. A standing ovation <laughs> inside St. Helen Catholic School in Newberry for a six-year-old boy who has now won the biggest battle of his young life. John Oliver Zippe, also known as J.O., receiving his final round of chemo two days after Christmas, ending a three-year battle with leukemia. So today, his classmates, oh. teachers, and family <sighs> took time out for a surprise celebration J.O. That dude, oh. like, can we just just one more time? Just look at him walking down the hallway and getting the getting the claps. Like, look at his little face. Oh, he just doesn't even know how to hold it in so his body. Happy. Being clapped, you, you being clapped for, feeling it in his clap. body, not not getting the clap. He God. was being clapped for, <laughs> getting the clap. He was getting the clap. You uh, can tell that his emotions being, are just like applauded. bubbling up in him so much. It's just he's just feeling it in his shoulder, and his arms are just like oh, yeah. getting all like janked up. And he's yeah. like, oh, I just don't, this feels so good, but I don't know. Yes. I'm so happy yeah. I made it. Yeah. So, yes. so for folks who who aren't watching on YouTube, um, uh, get your life. Yeah, get your life. Uh, <laughs> Jo, this little six year old boy from Newbury, Ohio. Uh, he's walking down the hallway in his school and like the entire school is lining the hallway, just giving him this giant, giant round of applause as he like walks the runway and you can see him just being like, <laughs> just so yeah, like he's happy. So stoked. Uh, poor little fucker, man. He was, he was battling acute lymphoblastic leukemia for, for three years and three uh, years. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. When he got diagnosed, he spent 18 days in the hospital and then, and then went through about three years worth of chemo. Um, but he just Ugh. he just finished it and went back to school and he's I the the or later in that video one of his teachers is like he's got an old soul he likes airplanes and World War Two. <laughs> so fucking cute, no. man. Oh uh, that, that's but so, that's but so living with leukemia for for three yeah. years as a six year old it's like half your life half yeah. your life you've lived yeah. with the uh, cancer which yeah. is. Man, that must be really scary for him. So to see that reaction from his classmates, it's like, Jared, that's my type of content. Yeah, yeah that's I good shit. That. I, I I figured you'd I figured you'd enjoy that. And uh, thanks to Lauren for putting that in Slack because that that made my day. Um, thanks, love. Yeah, so uh, and now for something mm-hmm. now for something a little less cute, uh, no. but yeah. uh, far more interesting. Um, okay. This is gonna blow your fucking minds. This is coming from WebMD. This is an article that um, I thought to be extremely interesting. Erectile dysfunction, the risk of erectile dysfunction six times higher in men with COVID. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, here, so mm. hear me out. The, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because there's some fucking yahoos here in this city, and I know these yahoos, exist in every city across the fucking country who are who have just recently here in this city gotten arrested at a at a gathering to protest masks 
Um, and so I think this article is what should be pumped out to the masses to make these fucking nincompoops take a second thought about putting their mask on. Uh, COVID-19 <laughs> increases the risk of developing erectile dysfunction, ED, by nearly six times, according to data from the first study to investigate the association between ED and COVID in young men in a real-life setting. The, the, preliminary, the preliminary numbers also indicated that having ED also increased men's susceptibility to SARS-CoV-2 infection. Men with ED are more than five times mm. more likely to have COVID-19. So that's also pretty fucking interesting. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. For men with a history of COVID-19, the estimated risk of developing ED was 5.66 times higher. Those numbers remained even after other factors were considered. <clears throat> Dude, I can hear the bros right now. The reason why it's five times more likely is because it's unhealthy people that aren't hitting the gym. They're not working out. They're not protecting their immune systems. It's only 80 plus year olds getting COVID. And as long as I'm young and healthy, man, I'm not going to get sick. Right? Right, bros? Well, bro, COVID doesn't discriminate. Uh, COVID's attacking any and all penises that exist. The study, which was led by Emmanuel Ajanini, MD, professor of endocrinology and medical sexology, University of Rome, Tor Vergata, Rome, Italy. Oh, that's that's where the accent comes. I was I was wondering. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, sure if you where, made his yeah. name Italian Why? or if he was actually Italian. Uh, it's Emmanuel Ajanini. Um, <laughs> oh my God, Jared, don't kiss your lips like that with your fingers. Oh my God. Um, he, this article or the uh, the study was published uh, on the twentieth of March this year in Andrology. That's the name of the uh, the journal. Um, he was quoted saying, mask up to keep it up. <laughs> I like that. Stop. I like that. That's not true. Hey, yeah, it is hey true. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, remember when we recorded that, uh, that, that podcast with the, uh, the head of geriatrics, uh, at the, uh, at, I think it was Sinai in, in yeah. Toronto and you, and you said, yeah, yeah, COVID Samir doesn't discriminate. Sinai. And, and he, he said, he uh, like, yeah, and he said, yeah, it actually does. It fucking does, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He shut me up real quick. Um, ED can both be both a short-term and long-term complication of COVID-19, Janini suggests. So let me just say that again. For all you fucking boobs getting arrested at the mask protest, ED can both be a short-term and long-term complication of COVID-19. He was quoted saying, when offered, men should have the COVID vaccination. Got my book for June 1st, baby. Uh, it also Hell gives yeah. a whole new meaning to wearing the mask. Mask up to keep it up, he says. Mm. It could possibly have the added benefit of preventing sexual dysfunction. He points out that older age, diabetes, high body mass index, and smoking increase the risk of contracting COVID-19. Quote, these are the same risk factors for ED. Results of our study agree with pathopsychological mechanisms linking ED and COVID-19. So the study, <clears throat> it was drawn from the Sex at COVID online survey, <clears throat> which was conducted from April 7th to May 4th, so almost a month in Italy. The survey included 6,821 participants, uh, ranging from age of 18 years and older. 4,177 were women. 2,644 were men. And from that identified number of sexually active men who had tested positive for COVID-19, they were matched <clears throat> with another group of men who had not. <clears throat> so the researchers took the, the data. They uh, factored in the effects of lockdown and social distancing on the intrapsychic um, uh, relational and sexual health of the participants. So they're, you know, they're, they're also considering like, you know, these people are locked up they're they're some of them are probably depressed um <clears throat> then they they uh they measured the ed or erectile sorry they measured the erectile function with the international index of erectile function or the sexual health inventory <laughs> for men so this is like a i actually went to it uh the international Did you guys know that was a thing because i did this is this is news to me this is the first time i've heard of that and that's uh it sounds pretty interesting like sounds like something i definitely want to know more about it's a questionnaire uh that that is about uh what's it got here about 15 questions on it so like question seven when you attempted sexual like, intercourse how often was it satisfactory for you zero to five zero being uh did not attempt intercourse or five being mm -hmm. almost always or always 
Um, and it goes, there's a whole bunch of questions there. <clears throat> so they well, use, there, there you go. Sorry, go ahead. Well, they, they use this, this index to figure out whether or not, um, people had ED. Um, and this index is used in like clinical settings. Uh, in light of the two-way interaction between sexual activity and psychological well-being, results were adjusted for any influence of anxiety and depression, which were measured with recognized scales for use in patients with a history of COVID-19. So the results of the, the study showed that the prevalence of ED was significantly higher among men who self-reported a history of COVID-19 compared to that matching COVID-negative population which was actually 28% versus 9.33%. Um, after adjusting for variables that are considered to have a bearing on the development of ED, such as psychological status, age, and BMI, the odds ratio for developing ED after having COVID dropped down to 5.66. So that's where we get the six times more likely to get ED from actually contracting COVID. This is a... I, I highlighted this part here. The author's note that persons who experience a sudden onset or worsening of ED might also consider quarantining as a precaution or be tested for COVID-19. They warn that the virus might act as a potential trigger for the onset of erectile impairment or become an, ag an aggravating factor for its progression to more severe forms. So if, you're if you know, your dick stops working, you can't mm. get boners, but, but you don't have the sniffles and you don't have a fever, <laughs> maybe... Just stay home from work wait, and so, book your test. Wait, you know, wait. So, you know, so it's, is that because is that because your your penis is basically immunocompromised? So, like, you don't want to <laughs> risk getting COVID to like exaggerate the long term effects of the ED, or is it that your dick isn't working and maybe you have COVID? <laughs> I I think it's maybe you have COVID. That's why your dick's not working. I don't think I don't think it's that your <laughs> your dick's got COVID. You got COVID. <laughs> you know, you know, guys, I'm seeing here, I'm seeing here um, that ED, ED is actually crazy prevalent. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's um, like 30, 33% of men. Um, yeah. 33% of men have ED. Um, but, but have still, ED or have know, like an experience with ED? Like, well, probably, it's probably will have ED at some point in their life or an experience of ED. Um, so obviously that is like across all ages, but, but you know what, you know what this, at the very least that this is, this is like, this is like one of those, this is like the, the, the inverse of the, of the, um, of the, of, of the, the wrestlers in, in Mexico enticing people to come down and get vaccinated yeah, or get yeah. tested for COVID or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like a scare, it's a scare tactic. Like, Hey, here's one more reason why you should totally do this very reasonable thing that is wearing a mask. Or, um, because or it it's like you put on scare tactic, you know, like you put I, on, uh, you put on, you put on, um, you put, you put cotton clothing on, all, every part of your body and then someone's like hey just put like six more square inches of cotton over your face <laughs> in addition in addition to all the other cotton that you voluntarily put put yeah. in front of your dick you every day you can't take my freedom <laughs> yeah yeah and now it's a You're freedom question taking away question. my freedom <laughs> taking away my dick freedom <laughs> i have a question though i have a question and maybe this is like a taylor-esque question but Pfizer, does it not produce pills against ED? That's and they question. also produce a vaccine. Oh, my God. Wow. Prominently. Oh, I'm just asking and questions. Malt, I like how you said liquor. that that malt was a liquor. Taylor question. <laughs> Look into it, man. Look into it. That's all I'm saying. That just reminded, me, that just reminded, that reminded me of a very Black Panther Black, uh, Black Panther, Black, uh, Black Dynamite esque uh, question. <clears throat> yeah, totally. Um, similarly, Black Dynamite. Similarly, uh, patients who have ED. This is the last thing in the in the article. There should consider their erectile impairment as a sign of possible underlying conditions that could increase the likelihood of suffering from COVID nineteen. So you know, if you if you have ED, be careful. Wear your mask. If you don't have ED, and then all of a sudden you do. 
I would say I would say a hundred percent. You got COVID. Uh, you heard it here first. Like, so it's like maybe so they'll do that instead of tests. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 so just, like, just a quick jerk so, and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You <laughs> broke. You broke. You got it. Wait. So, so are they basically saying that like because like I've been nervous about losing my sense of taste or smell. Yeah. And like I think like if that happened to me, I mean there was a, a few months ago. I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast, but I went to eat a bag of chips um, at night. I just bought them from the grocery store. Went home, opened them up grabbed a handful of these chips. They're jalapeno flavored. That's, and that's flavor. Mouth. That's a lot of flavor in jalapeno. Dude, I put it in my mouth. I couldn't taste them. I couldn't taste them at all. And so I was like, holy fuck. I 100% have COVID. I would have panicked. And so I grabbed a spoonful of peanut butter, grabbed it, took it, put it in my mouth right away. Could taste the peanut butter, no problem. And I was like, these chips just fucking suck. See, I like would have brand I, of this is like the flavorless, I, most flavorless chips I've ever bought in my entire life. And I, w- I would have yeah, panicked. And, I would have panicked Literally instead flavorless. of instead of getting peanut butter, I would have pissed in a cup and drank that. To be like, yeah, I, just, I need yeah. to, sure. Yeah, I need to really yeah. slam so, something home here. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that yeah. too. Like I, I almost grabbed a cup of bleach, but then I you know, peanut butter I'm, was closer. But I almost I grabbed would, a tie. Bleach would have been preferred. Yeah, <laughs> I almost but, grabbed but some Miracle like, Grow. <laughs> so, I almost grabbed so the way that I, <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow, good throwback jokes, guys. But the way that I <laughs> thought about that sense of taste being gone, should I also think that if I can't get a uh, hard on? Well, I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. what uh, that's what that's the takeaway. The doc here? here is saying Doc uh, Janini is <laughs> yeah. saying that if you don't get boners anymore for some uh, you know godforsaken reason. Um, you might want to just book yourself an asymptomatic test because uh, I actually could- heard that that's an alternate. Like, if you want to, if you want to opt out, like if you go to the <clears throat> testing site or the rapid testing site, and they're like, okay, we're going to swab your nose now. We're just going to stick it up here. We're going to. It's going to be five seconds. We're going to take it out. You can now. You can now say, I would like to opt out of that test, mm-hmm. um, and they will. They'll just aggravate your general gen. gen- They'll aggravate your genitals. They'll just aggravate it. They'll just like, it's that's, a, they just that's, apply. What, that's what Taylor says to Kyla at night. He's like, Kyla, I need you to come over here and <laughs> can aggravate you, my genitals. Can you, can you, can you, you know, agitate? <laughs> can you agitate my genitals? Can you agitate? Can you agitate? Yeah, they, agi- they, they use it. It's called a G, it's called a G agitator. And they, they use the G agitator and they agitate, they agitate gently and then more aggressively with, if there's no response. And then, and then that is used as the backup test f- yeah. to the nasal swab. Do you do you think more guys would get tested if if the option was to come and uh, and use the G agitator to get jerked off? And if you were able to come, then Taylor that would Taylor mean just that- shut off his video. Taylor was so <laughs> Taylor was so upset by that question that he literally just shut his video off. <laughs> do you he's think that more guys would get tested? He's getting, he's, he couldn't help but test to see right now if he was. He didn't he want anyone to, to see. To he's he's God, G-agitating. I'm, I'm, G, I'm just G-agitating, okay? Just give me a second. <laughs> oh, God. Stop uh, it. I feel violated. Should we... Uh, <laughs> let's pause here and wait for Tay to get his video back. Um... Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. <clears throat> All right. Uh, well, uh, in other news, uh, things are opening back up in some places of the world, which is very exciting. And uh, some businesses are trying to get themselves back on their feet. Um, I know here in Halifax, I've been trying my, my darndest to uh, keep things local and support uh, you know small businesses, especially small businesses that are serving up food by not using things like Uber Eats and, and getting delivery direct from the restaurants, things like that. Um, but in the UK, 
really interesting thing coming out of the UK. And I fucking love this. This is right up my alley. Um, uh, this article uh, titled Brits Brits urged to drink 124 pints each to help struggling pubs get back on their feet. <laughs> each. <laughs> like, are yeah. they taking into account the entire population for that? Uh, yes. Uh, and, and this isn't in one night. Obviously, um, well, you know, although although we're, we're, we are talking about the Brits, so who fucking knows? Uh, it says here, <laughs> pub goers will need to drink 124 pints this summer to save the nation's food and beverage industry. Finance experts have claimed the industry needs a whopping 25.6 billion pounds. Is that W A P P I N G? Uh, whopping. 25.6 billion pounds to boost the return to pre-pandemic levels after a year of forced closures resulted in record losses. Finance. Wait, okay. Wait. So what I just, I just need to quickly do the math to think about what that would, would be like. So if we're imagining in the summer, how many months are we saying for that? Three months? I'd say four months. For just summer? like just for four months. Yeah. So how many nights of the week do you typically, would you guys say you typically drink? Don't ask me that question. How many, <laughs> how, many beers, that question. how many pints, how many pints a week do you think you would be able to reasonably finish? Right now, honestly, I actually was thinking about this today. I was like, I, maybe I'm going to take a week off drinking. Uh, right now, I probably drink. This is, this is no joke. And don't judge me. Fuck. And if you're at home about to judge me, go fuck yourself. I have, I probably have like three, three tall cans on average, like three tall cans a night. And that way that goes up and down depending on the, you know, depending on what's going on. So what's that? That's three times seven. So 21, 21, 21 pints, let's say 21 pints a day on average, an average week. Can we also get somebody else Googling the definition of alcoholism at the uh, same time? Well, that, well, that, that <laughs> would be, that would be alcohol abuse. Yes, I don't Brian. think we need to. That would be alcohol abuse. Uh, again, um, again, so th shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> so 21 can, so 21 pints a week. No, not pints, not 21 pints a week. Yeah. 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 Okay, tall cans a pint. A tall can so is like exactly a week, pint. Three months, about twelve weeks total. Yeah, you. So you could easily. What am I hitting? You could easily do yeah, it. What is that? What is that? Yeah, that um, would take. That, that would take like a month and a half. Two hundred forty. Yeah, oh, so you do two hundred forty cans, pints in uh, in three months ish. So the good thing is, Jerry's. I don't drink any. So you could. I'm do making me up for and you. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but then I. But then okay, I cool. also really. I drink like three or. four. Four a week, maybe. Yeah. So then you have to make up for me as well. I got to make up for you too. <laughs> Fuck me. But hopefully Lauren's drinking more than Lauren. How Jerry, many you're gonna have to, Jerry, you're going to, you're going to have to up that intake, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you, Lo. We got this. Yeah. I, I, I'll make up, I'll make up Tay's difference. Yeah. We which got this. I easily already do. It's fine. But like, uh, look, I'm, I'm supporting local. Yeah. There you go. What up, Fizz? Shout out to good robot. Our homies. Um, mm -hmm. uh, finance experts, uh, company debt says drastic drinking would be the best way of saving struggling hospitality businesses <laughs> and to protect pubs from facing closures as a result of lockdown. That's such a drastic thing to say. Um, it's, it's website. So states, drastic. I know it's website states quote with the latest estimates suggesting that the UK's food and beverage industry lost at least 25.66 billion due to COVID-19. We wondered how much every person in the UK would need to spend in order to reach pre-pandemic levels. We came up with a figure of 124 pints per adult based on a figure of 52 million adults in the UK. That's a lot of fucking pints, man. 52 million times 124. What the fuck is that? Stephen Hawking, get me. Uh, 52 million times 124? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like somewhere in... Here, let's just do it. Ask the robot That'll slave. Do. Alexa. This dead air is great. <laughs> this is this is what people show up for week after week. Six point four four eight to the exponent of nine, whichever whatever that means. That's so we still don't know. What that that's wait, hold on. Are we talking about a, a number? Billion. 
Oh, okay. Six okay. and a half billion. The way you said that, it sounded yeah, like I a was, number that I was like, that, that does, yeah. That like <laughs> we can't even comprehend. It's, yeah, well, you're like, no, well no, no. the UK it's because pop the pop need to spend an infinite amount of uh, money to bring us back to where we need to be. It's because the calculator, when you hold it in the short version, it only tells oh, yeah. you how many decimal places it goes. So mm-hmm. I couldn't do I, I had to turn my phone sideways so that I could actually read the real number. Yeah, so the but, campaign yeah, they, they, they've uh, they put out a campaign over there called Your Local Pub Needs You, uh, which asks uh, the pub goers to support 40,000 pubs and bars that are fighting to stay afloat. The poster states, the average pub will need each customer to spend an additional 382 pounds this year to combat the impact that COVID has had on the sector. Thank you for doing your bit. The group is called additional 384 pounds. So like in addition to what the regular person spends, right? right? Yeah. It's crazy. And for the, for the folks that don't drink, um, either, uh, the group has called on people to drink either 124 pints or 122 glasses of wine. But for those who don't consume alcohol, it also suggests that people can eat 976 packets of crisps or 40 (laughs) roast dinners at the bar. Roast dinners. Uh, I did. I I don't drink um, like, beer very that. often, guys. Unless I go to a uh, pub with you guys, but yeah. I did drink a couple of bottles of wine this week, so that counts for something, well, right? I feel like yeah. the uh, pub culture yeah. in uh, in the UK is strong, and and they can they it can is. rally, yeah. and and maybe it's maybe it's just my like naive stereotypical view of like what the UK or <clears throat> it like is in terms of pub culture, but um, I feel. Correct me if I'm wrong, UK people. I feel like there's like a stronger than at least here connection to your local pub. I I, I at least get the sense of that. It de- it definitely feels that way. I mean, I was in I was in London uh, a couple of years ago for uh, my buddy Mark Frank's wedding, and it was the first time I was in London. And the it, it the pub culture was, I mean, it's it's strong. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's like after work, you go you go to the pub, and like you go to the pub at like three like four and it's slammed and everyone is in suit and tie it's like everyone's getting mm-hmm. off their uh, getting off work and just going to the pub and then and the other cool thing that they that that's part of the culture is like they just hang out outside the pub with their pints you know it's like they don't mm-hmm. they don't go far you know it's like there's like a unspoken rule where it's like no, no you just stay you know and i i shot distance but everyone's just like just hanging out outside the pub drinking but i fucking but that's, love that's it. That's that's like big in 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 a lot of big cities where people work in the downtown core. But the where it really where it like really thrives, the pub culture thrives in the UK is in the rural communities um, because mm. like they all have their own little like it seems like like every little community that I've been to in the UK has their own pub. Like I mean, oh, it yeah. might be like yeah. uh, like a town of. 40 houses but and there's a pub but it's got yeah. a pub it has yeah. to have a pub because it, yeah. if it doesn't then where are you going to meet up for That's that right. beer at four o'clock <laughs> yeah i uh i mean so 124 can we break down what 124 pints would be over the span of a summer like how much is that per week yeah it's like it's so it's like 10 a week Okay. 10 yeah. pints a week. Yeah. So, so if you, if you're, and even if you keep your drinking to like a Friday and a Saturday night, you have to drink five pints each one of those nights. But yeah. if you have, yeah. you know, two or three on a Monday to Tuesday or even on a Sunday night, um, then that mm-hmm. even cuts that down. So yeah. it, it would be like, I mean, I don't know if it's, I'd say it's healthy. Actually, this segues into a really good thing that I, that, uh, that I wanted to talk about because, so speaking about um, bad coping habits, um, I was thinking a lot about uh, the conversation we had about languishing last week. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking about what are good coping habits that I've been doing lately to help me feel better. And I want to share a couple of them with you guys. But I also, um, I also I'm curious to know what works well for you. How do you cope in a healthy way, especially during a time like this where we're stuck in lockdown and it's hard to like feel motivated to like mm. develop good habits? Like what are some of the simple things that you can do to feel good? So um, one for me that I'll share off the bat, that's something pretty simple. And I was talking to Taylor about this on the phone the other day. Uh, when I was having a conversation with him, I looked into my bedroom and I was like, holy fuck, my bed's made. And I didn't remember making it in the morning. But I realized that I've been in a habit of making my bed for like the past uh, two weeks. And like 
it's something that just makes me feel like when I look in at the room and it looks like the bed is nice and made and it looks like things are nice and clean. Like you guys know that I'm not typically a very neat or clean person. So when I have a clean space, it like really helps my, uh, my, my mental health. Jerry, I can, for people who are listening to this, Jerry, you're shaking your head. Um, so yeah, cleaning, like cleaning or tidying and, and, you know, making my bed, which only takes like 30 seconds to do anyway. Um, yeah, it really helps me. But what are some coping habits that healthy coping habits that you guys have? Yeah, I mean, keeping my condo super neat and tidy is definitely one of the one of the ones that pops up. I also started meditating with Leah, um, mm-hmm. and like ha- like getting consistent with meditation is has been like I'll notice the day like if if it's a day that I don't versus a day that I do like a drastic drastic difference. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You guys? What about you, Tay? Um, I feel bad in saying this. I don't feel like I'm ever coping. Knew it. I knew it. I knew he was going to fucking say that. I, 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 and I, and I, I feel and like I, a therapist I, would I, have I, a field day on that. I know. I know. <laughs> therapist would be like, hmm, tell me about your father. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I don't, I just don't ever feel that like I'm coping. It's, I actually, I feel more like I go, oh, I have, um, I have more time to uh, I have more time to do the things that I love to do, but but I'm not like Tay for a second like humor us in the idea that like I'm not saying that you have to be feeling shitty about COVID nineteen and and that you have to feel mm-hmm. like you're languishing because I think that it's pretty fair to say that you oftentimes feel like you're flourishing, um, but with that being said. The, the reason why somebody's able to flourish is oftentimes because of a set of habits that yeah, they Tay, like, like, have built that make them feel good, right? Like so you, like, you said the other day, Tay, like that you hadn't gone biking for like a few days and like mm, you mm. were noticing that and like and that having an effect on your day. You know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that, like that would be an example. Yeah. 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 Being on my bike is definitely a, is definitely a, um, is definitely a, a huge, a huge help. Um, and it's more so that, you know, it's, it's such an ingrained habit that it's more so that the absence of it is definitely, uh, is definitely recognizable. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I, I had this, I had this, uh, I, I maybe mentioned on the podcast, um, a while ago, which was like when the weather started to just like get, you know, when it stopped being snowing and being like gray most of the time and it, and it was like, Hey, now it's sunny more often. And the weather is, you know, Mm. it's like, it's at least like eight degrees instead of, you know, minus two or whatever. As soon as that happened, I recognized, I realized how I hadn't traveled this winter, which was very foreign to me. I've, I've traveled every year of my adult life. Um, I've, I've, I haven't spent a winter, a full winter in Halifax in a decade, and I recognized, I only recognized it once I realized how long we had been in winter and been, and, and been in that space. And, and obviously not traveling was a, was a consequence of, of, of COVID, um, being, being present. Um, but, but so much of the time and like, and, and, and to a fault sometimes for sure is, is I, uh, is I, I, like the, the, the reality of the present situation is just like immediately accepted. Uh, like I, I, I never mourn, I don't mourn the, the, the absence of a, of a situation. It's like, whatever is, mm-hmm. whatever is in front of me, it like is what it, it is. We are where we are. And I'm the, the, these are the cards that I have to play. Um, yeah. but, but definitely within that, like biking is the thing that stands out. Like if I had to boil it down to one thing, like it's the thing that's riding my bike is, is, is the thing that, that keeps, uh, everything like well lubed. Mm, That and, Mm. and Kyla using the G aggravator on you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean that I thought, yeah, that's a, that goes without saying. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, what about you? Uh, it's going to sound probably obvious, um, but I starting to actually take weekends because mm, I yeah. have like a Monday through Friday day job in addition to working on the podcast. And I would uh, 
I'd been good about not working on Sundays, but, um, the Lord's day, I started to feel (laughs) right. Bless. But I started to, um, feel a bit burnt out around like February and I wasn't, I wasn't even enjoying my weekends. Like I wasn't happy and I felt like unhappy for like, it had started, it was like three weekends in a row and I just felt miserable the whole time. And, um, even though I wasn't working the whole time, I just kind of do work like Friday morning or afternoon or sorry, Saturday morning or afternoon. And, um, just because I'd noticed that kind of it, it was becoming a pattern. Like on the weekends, I was unhappy. So I uh, set up an appointment with my therapist. I kind of talked stuff over with her and she was like, why don't you just take your whole weekends? Like just arrange your workflow so that you get what you would be doing on the weekends done on the weekday. And I was like, mm. Oh, so doing something so, as simple so as simple. that literally most yeah. people yeah. do, but yeah, yeah mm. it, that's made, that's made such uh, that's made such a positive difference is just like taking time for myself, um, to, to rest and be present because I struggle, I guess, mm. with the kind of perfectionistic tendency that I always need to be doing something and producing mm. something mm. and totally and that. So yeah. that's made a huge difference yeah. for me. I find the weekend the hard is like, a, I find a, the, the hard ahead, part bro. I find about that is that, that, like sometimes when I take a, a full weekend off, like I've been trying to um, get in the habit of doing that the last few weeks actually. And uh, I, fi- I find that initially I just feel this sense of guilt around like all these things that I should be doing. And so I have to like find a way to, you know, accept that it's okay to, to take time off. And it's actually, it's funny when I was, when I, when I um, was coaching, canoeing, I used to always say to the athletes that rest was actually part of training because mm-hmm. if you're not resting, then you can't train properly. And <laughs> I'm, I'm so bad at taking my own advice because I will keep going and going and going until like I eventually burn out and I'm forced to rest. But if I actually just rested on the weekends, I'd be more productive during the week mm. and would be able to get more done mm, anyway. So Totally. Yeah. yeah. Having it's to so do funny something like, almost... like... <laughs> oh, ahead, sorry, Lord. Tay. Oh, okay. I, w- I was just going to say, it's funny because for me, like, because like it was kind of, that was my motivation. It was like, I'll be more productive if I rest. So it was, it's kind of like yeah. dumb that it's <laughs> out of the same motivation, but like, if it helps you, Bri, like yeah. I, cause I felt the same way. Like I would always feel like I'm letting people down if I wasn't like, you know, working on the weekend and, yeah. um, what kind of did it, what, what made me kind of what, which helps shift my perspective when I struggle feeling with that feeling of guilt. So I just kind of think like, okay, when I'm on my deathbed, am I going to wish that I spent more time working on the weekends? Mm, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you're going to regret <laughs> yeah, not true. spending time with people you care yeah. about, you know? Totally. The weekend has to be like the weekend and, um, and like setting boundaries for, because, because it, it is, we, we would, we can always find a, something that we need to work on because mm-hmm. like they're always, you're always going to have that. You're going to have that until three in the morning. You're going to have that at se- seven in the morning or whenever you get up to start your day, it's always going to be there. But like I have been, I've been so, I've been like really hardcore on setting those boundaries for myself. The weekend is, has sort of like always been a sort of like a sacred ground where I, I, I'm like, unless there's something that is absolutely quintessential to be done because it's incredibly time sensitive or something like that. It's like the weekend is totally off limits for work. It's like, and, and also after like seven 30 it at, at night, it's like, I'm not doing anything. You know, it's See, like, I'm, it's like if I didn't get it done during the day, then that was my fault and I'll have to work harder tomorrow during the time that I've allotted myself to do work. Because I've, if I I've don't, never, get, if I don't do that in the, in the evening, then I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be good. I'm not going to be good tomorrow. I've, I've never been able to do that. And I find like part of it stems from the fact that when I worked in real estate, like most of my clients needed, like needed their attention during those hours. hours. So like yeah. I was working yeah. outside mm-hmm. of work hours usually, <clears throat> but actually the more I do design work, the more I realize that like I get into these like periods of like you know, for lack of a better word, flow, where I end up working on a project or a design for like hours at a time and the time just sort of slips away. But oftentimes the time that I'm most productive is like, 
you know, eight to one in the morning mm. or like, you know, six <clears throat> in the morning to nine in the morning. Or like these weird times where I just, just can't put it down. And the other part of that problem is that my hobbies are actually so closely related to my, um, the work that I do, which is yeah. both a blessing and a curse because a lot of the time I spend, so I've been thinking a lot lately, like I want to draw more. Like I've been trying to use my pen and tablet and, um, create more art just for me and just for fun. And part of my, in my head, I make an excuse to do it because I know that it helps me develop a better creative workflow for the work that I actually do with the podcast and, and, and in other areas of my life. But the downside is that like, it's very closely related to work. So if I dedicate six hours on the weekend to draw and spend time on my computer creating art, but it's not work, but it's so close to work, then it ends up sort of like taxing me in the same way anyway. So mm. I think I either need to like start sketching in a sketchbook and go outside and do it or like find other ways to sort of <laughs> kill two birds with one stone, I guess. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to switch off. <clears throat> I would uh, I would like to pose this question to our listeners. If you uh, if you have thought about this or if thinking about this right now by, while listening to this, and anything has come up for you, uh, send us a little note, letters at sickboypodcast.com if you want to email us. Uh, or if you're watching here on YouTube, let a, leave a comment. What have you been doing uh, to, to, to just make your days a little bit brighter, a little bit better, a little bit easier? If you're languishing, how are you trying to flourish? Uh, we would love guys, to know. Guys, last quick one for me, skincare routine. I've never been into taking care of my skin, but uh, I just got into it the last few weeks. And like, it feels good to like, to, I've been you taking pampered, like, bro? like 16 year old me, like OxyClean pads and wiping my face down every night and getting into a routine of like, did, like did you doing that when I brush my teeth and stuff. And did it feels you, great. Yeah. We were talking about this when we were watching UFC the other night. Uh, did you do the thing that I told you about the, with just putting the, putting your semen in the, in the cup after and, <laughs> Letting it sit overnight yeah. and then putting that yeah, on yeah. your on your blemishes. Yeah, I actually mm. noticed that it worked. Like yeah. I, I was, I was doubt. I think I, I saw that on TikTok. Hesitant to do it, but um, um, that's must maybe where you got it from, Jared. But as soon mm. as you recommended mm -hmm. doing that, um, it was a little bit. It was crusted and was hard the next morning, which yeah. I was surprised. You got to you got to rewet it. You got to you got to go uh, spit okay. in it and then rewet it. Yeah. Um, I've well, been smoking my effective. fingernail shavings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that works too. That's good for your, that's, that's good to keep COVID at bay. And then, and yeah. actually for real, I heard, uh, I heard that and low, I don't know if you've been doing this, but, uh, that menstrual blood is also makes a really good skincare product. So, and that I actually saw on TikTok. Um, <laughs> let's move on to, uh, let's, you know, let's finish this off with what the health, um, I have, I had another thing here that lined up, but, uh, let's save that for next week. Uh, some, some Neuralink stuff, some fun stuff with Neuralink. Oh, oh but, yeah. But, um, Bring uh, on, you'll have Elon. to tune in next week for some of that fun shit. Uh, but let's hit this week's segment of what the health? <laughs> oh, that was great. I go. love that every single time. Uh, <laughs> So this is actually, this is a scary, oopy, ooky, skooky, booky. Uh, this is coming out of Canada, quite close to us, actually. Um, this was a BBC article, but this is, I've, I've seen this covered elsewhere as well. Um, and this is not a case report. So I'm sure there will be one soon uh, because there's some weird shit going on. Uh, doctors in Canada have been coming across patients showing symptoms similar to that of crude Kreutzfeld jacob disease, a rare fatal condition that attacks the brain. But when they took a closer look, what they found left them stumped. Almost two years ago, Roger Ellis collapsed at home with a seizure on his 40th wedding anniversary. In his early 60s, Mr. Ellis, who was born and raised around New Brunswick's Bulliac Acadian Peninsula, had been healthy until that June and was enjoying his retirement after decades of working as an industrial mechanic. His son, Steve Ellis, says that af at after that fateful day, um, his father's health rapidly declined. Quote, he had delusions, hallucinations, weight loss, aggression, repetitive speech, he says. Quote, at one point, he couldn't even walk. So in the span of three months, we were being brought into a hospital to tell us they believed he was dying, but no one knew why. Roger Ellis's doctor first suspected Kreutzfeld 
Creutzfeldt Jacobs disease, CJD. CJD is a human prion disease, a fatal and rare degenerative brain disorder that sees patients present with symptoms like failing memory, behavioral changes, and difficulties with coordination. One widely known category in variant CJD, which is linked to eating contaminated meat infected with mad cow disease. CJD also belongs to a wider category of brain disorders like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and ALS, in which protein in the nervous system become misfolded and aggregated. So um, this Creutzfeldt-Jacobs disease, I've, I heard of that, I've heard of that a couple of times, basically like when mad cow is a big fucking deal. Uh, I don't know, it was like a decade ago. There was like a big mad mm-hmm. cow scare in Canada. Um, that's the CJD was coming up a lot during then. Um, but for Mr. Ellis, CJD tests came back negative as did the barrage of other tests his doctors put him through as they tried to pinpoint oh. the cause of the illness. His son says the medical term or team did their best to alleviate his father's varying symptoms, but were still left with a mystery. What was behind Mr. Ellis's decline? In March of this year, the younger Mr. Ellis came across a possible, if partial, answer. Radio Canada, the public broadcaster, obtained a copy of public health memo of a public health memo that had been sent out to the province's medical professionals warning of a cluster of patients exhibiting an unknown degenerative brain disease. The first thing I said was, this is my dad, he recalls. Roger Ellis is now believed to be one of those affected with the illness and is under care of Dr. Allier, Allier Marrero. 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 I think that's, yeah, that, that's Allier Marrero. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sound like you just said somebody's name in slow motion he's a neurologist the neurologist with Moncton's Dr. George's L. Dumont University Hospital Center says doctors first came across the baffling disease in 2015 so this thing which they don't know what the fuck it is started spreading out around uh, up around 2015 they start to How find many people more. Were, like they, they said there's a group. Like it's a How cluster, many? yeah. At the, at, at the <laughs> time. A cluster of people. <laughs> yeah, at the time, it was one patient in 2015. It was an isolated and atypical, atypical case. But since then, there have been more patients like the first. Now, uh, it's enough now that the doctors have been able to identify the cluster as a different condition or syndrome never seen before. So still don't know what the fuck it is but uh right now they're currently tracking 48 cases of this extremely oh, dude, I know what it is oh perfect it's, they they just um they just put a 5g tower in there Ew, oh that fuck, is dude that probably, makes so much sense that is actually probably I've been seeing 5g on my phone and things feel different yeah noticeably well i've been seeing 5g on my phone and it's been ever since the covid cases started to skyrocket here oh my so. god guys stop please <laughs> um uh, the, the cases are evenly split between men and women in ages ranging from 18 to 85 so big broad range here um and they're from the acadian peninsula and moncton areas of new brunswick six people are believed to have died from the illness so it's it's a fucking serious people are dying from it um, and there's since 2015, there's it went from one to 48 cases. Um, and most people have been get, beginning experiencing the symptoms pretty recently, like from 2018 on. But there has been one that's believed to has to have had symptoms as early as 2013. Um, and they're basically saying the symptoms are pretty wide. They range from uh, behavioral changes like anxiety, depression, irritability along with unexplained pain, muscle aches, and spasms in previously healthy individuals. Uh, frequently, patients develop difficulties sleeping. This is, man, this gets so intense. Sleeping, severe insomnia or hypersomnia, Whoa. and memory problems. Oh. They can be fast advancing language impairments that make it difficult to communicate and hold a fluent conversation. Issues like stuttering or word repetition. Another symptom is rapid weight loss and muscle atrophy, as well as visual disturbances and coordination problems. Guys, what was that? Uh, what was Ugh. that uh, show that you guys just watched <laughs> where they um, all the people uh, disappeared? Oh, uh, the leftovers. 
The Leftovers. Oh, yeah. This kind of reminds me of like it. This could be the plot for like a Leftovers style mm. show where like this all reminds of a sudden, you a of the TV of show that you haven't watched. Yeah. Yeah. I watched I watched the first like four episodes. Then I just wasn't really oh, that okay. interested in it. <laughs> But I started uh, Mr. Robot. You shut, you shut your, you shut your mouth. recommendation, Taylor. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah, it could be, could be something like that. It's interesting that it's that it's tied to one very specific geographic area. You know, right. um, maybe it's some sort of governmental, uh, we- you know, uh, government weapon being tested out in mm. the New Brunswick mm-hmm. area. Maybe it's aliens. It's like Stranger could be, Things. Could be UFOs. Um, I mean, you know, I know that we're being we're poking fun at conspiracy theory shit, but we also fully interviewed an investigative journalist who dug into MK Ultra yeah. and some pretty sketchy yeah. shit where people were actually being driven insane by a government program which is really mind blowing the other so, thing i mean maybe yeah, there is a, maybe, a yeah. mind control program happening in uh, you know new brunswick the, the other thing I, is i think they, they should look into radon gas they're well they're 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 going so they are they are looking into uh a number of different things uh suspected patients are undergoing so that like i said earlier they undergo prion disease tests tests for genetic conditions uh panels looking at autoimmune disorders or forms of cancer um, screenings for things like viruses, bacteria, fungus, heavy metals, and abnormal antibodies. They're asked about their environmental factor factors, lifestyle exposures, travel, medicine, medical history, and food and water sources. They undergo undergo spinal taps for test uh, to test for various oh. possible infections and disorders. And right now, there's no treatment beyond helping to alleviate discomfort. Um, and right now the theory is that the disease is acquired and not genetic. So super fucking But it seems like, like it would be something environmental just because of like the geographic sort of location that it's tied to. Yeah. That's why, that's why I was thinking maybe aliens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, It could be. mm -hmm, Were there crop circles mm -hmm. in that area? That wasn't a part of the BBC article. However, I will say this. Could have been overlooked. I don't have it in front of me here. I could Most probably bring it are. up, but uh, I won't. I won't waste time. Um, we I, and I don't even know if I should say this, but we had someone reach out to us, um, who's the daughter of I don't know if it's Mr. Ellis or not. It could be, but she the email is basically I'm the daughter of one of the people suffering from that whack fucking brain disease that they don't know of well, let's in do New Brunswick. It. So. You know, maybe we'll get her on and and ask her about the crop circles. I'm sure she'll be like, yeah. "No, you that's offensive, dummy." Yeah, um, but it I, it's it's fucking wild. Like it it is really wild that this is that this thing. Like I, again, that this thing is a cluster of people in a very very mm-hmm. specific region in Atlanta, Canada. That to it's me, it's got is a movie. It's got like Stephen King. Stephen King movie right totally. over it, you know? Yeah, it does, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, folks, if, you, if you've heard anything, if you know anything, uh, crop circles or, or government, uh, government weird tests going on in your area, uh, like I said, hit us up. Leave a comment below. What do you think? Um, mm. Guys, I want to know about the most misleading, like the, uh, a diagnosis or phenomenon that happened that was like very misleading. People thought it was one thing and then they figured out that it was something else ever. Like what do, we should, we should, uh, get people to write in what they stories examples of stories that like had the biggest red herring. Yeah. I could tell you, uh, I could tell you one right now. Tell me one. Mm-hmm. Women having uh, having uh, night terrors and uh, and and everyone thinking that they're witches, so they fucking string them up and <laughs> yeah, yeah. burn them at the stake. That was one. That's a perfect mm. example. Yeah. <laughs> when really, th- when really, they just have a sleep disorder, and they thought a demon was mm. sitting on their chest, and everyone's like, "You're a fucking witch." Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or also with women, hysteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was mm-hmm. gonna say. Or that dancing thing we oh. talked about, the dancing plague. That's okay, Lo. I yeah. said it for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mansplained i oh appreciate God. it for when when oh men speak oh for me I, I love it i'm gonna so much ugh. i'm gonna make a new logo that animates over every time we say something before lauren does or cut her off and then it'll just be like mansplained oh my god i hate it <laughs> uh well folks uh thank you so much for tuning in this week uh we really appreciate every single one of you 
And, uh, and hey, if you're listening on uh, an audio platform, uh, which might be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the CBC Listen app, uh, be sure to leave a rating and review if you can do that and hit the follow or uh, subscribe button because that means the world to us. And uh, folks uh, watching on YouTube, good to see your faces again. And uh, leave a comment below, hit the like button, and be sure to subscribe so that you know when these videos are coming out. Uh, we're releasing shit every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So love, love seeing and hearing from all of you. And if you have any fan mail that you want to send to us, any stories that you want to tell us, or if you have a bone to pick with mansplainers like us, oh you send that to letters at sickboypodcast.com. You can tell us this guy. You can tell us how much you hate us. And if you want to be a guest on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact, fill out the guest form, and maybe we'll have you in the hot seat. Hey, Taylor, why don't you tell Lauren what to do next? Uh, I'm going to tell Brian what to do next. Brian, you're going to thank everybody. And then I'm going to mansplain your part. No, Lauren needs well, to read a letter. Yeah, Lauren, Lauren read oh, a letter, okay. Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, so we, we have, have to cut two. all this down. Let's take it from the top. <laughs> we have, we have no, two really no, nice. Keep going. We have two really nice letters. Uh, both were both were uh, DMs actually. Um, so this one comes Ooh. to us from a doctor named James. Uh, hey, I just wanted to thank you guys for making this podcast. I graduated from medical school earlier this month, and I honestly couldn't have remembered all the info we need to learn without your podcast. Oh no! Wow, <laughs> the deep. <laughs> That sounds like a fail. Oh, we are fucking doomed. We're doomed. (laughs) The deep dives into your guest stories helped me remember obscure diseases and score well on tests. Beyond that, it was really valuable for me to hear how some of the diseases affect every area of patients' lives. I'm going to be a better doctor because of this podcast, and I thank you for it. Keep up the good work, and I can't wait to see what amazing places this project uh, will take you to. Uh, well, thank and you, then, Doctor. I think to be fair, I think James was actually thanking all the people who have come on the show and shared their stories, not us directly. But I think you, but, you uh, might thanks, be right. James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we would like to thank all the guests that come on and, and, and speak to us. Um, and then speaking of guests that come on to speak to us, uh, so s- somebody had a response or something to add about um, John's episode on penile cancer recently. Um, oh. So... This person wrote in uh, from the Philippines. Uh, Hi, Sick Boy Podcast. I am Mick from the Philippines. I was listening to the episode of uh, the penile cancer, and you guys asked listeners to tell you a circumcision story. I forgot what email to send the story in, so I decided to message here instead. It is letters at sickboypodcast.com. In the, but we're very glad you DM'd us, Mick. Uh, in the Philippines, it is a must to be circumcised during puberty or before puberty hits. It's purely for cultural reasons because it's considered a rite of passage to manhood here. Whoa. I was cut at age 13. Oh, yeah, bro. Welcome to the club. It was done in a doctor's clinic. It was kind of embarrassing because I was already a young man by then. I remembered I got an erection when the doctor was applying uh, betadine to my genitalia. It was embarrassing, but the cold betadine didn't help. And I remembered being in pain for the next two weeks. Morning wood is so painful, too. Oh, you know, so, you know, I uh, I wrote I wrote uh, Mick back. Um, because, uh, he, I think he, he wrote all, he wrote all three of us on Instagram or all four of us on Instagram. I'm not sure if he, if he wrote you directly low as well, but, um, he, and I, I, I said something like, well, that's a crazy story. Um, that's so embarrassing, but something that I hope you can look back on and laugh at. And, um, and he then said, he said that the, the doctor then, uh, the doctor, when he, upon seeing it, he, he laughed and said, or like chuckled and said, um, it will go down when we start cutting. Yeah. Oh my God. That's horrifying. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. (laughs) Yeah. I bet. Uh, Brian, what was that fucking sound outside? Uh, thunder. Thunder. Whoa, yeah. that was oh, wow. thunder. Oh, yeah. Oh, and oh, massive yeah. lightning. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Massive yeah. Yay. Dude. All right. Well, let's go enjoy. Let's this wrap this so we can. Uh, so we can guys, it's seven. Uh, it's seven thirty-two. Hey. I don't work past seven thirty. So.
Well, just saying, you don't have to say anything else, Taylor, except your name, which doesn't really work. So um, let me wrap this up by saying thank you to the people who matter the most, uh, the l- people who are listening to this right now. Mm. And also, as Lo mentioned, a huge thank you to the people who have come on and shared their stories or the people who have applied to share their stories, too. Um, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you, uh, Lauren. You're amazing. We really appreciate the work that you do. Uh, Taylor, Jer, I love doing this with you guys. Thank you to Jeff Lonis for managing this ship. Thank you to Donovan the Meerkat Morgan for the amazing sound design. And thank you to Rich O'Coin for the theme music. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Lauren. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.